I'm Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true, and no one's identity has been protected. Here is Fulfillment Stories podcast number 39. Jetty Ray is a singer and songwriter originally from northern Michigan. She has been singing, touring, and recording since 2004. She has shared the stage with Sarah McLaughlin and Miranda Lambert with, at the Lilith Fair in Detroit. And you can also hear Jetty's music in a number of TV commercials for brands such as Microsoft, Petco, Truvia, Nabi Tablets, and more. Here's Jetty's story from the May 2017 event. But Jetty has shared the stage with a lot of big names, but she's got a big story in my book. And... Um, yeah, just get ready. So even though I'm like in front of people all the time and I play for a lot of people, speaking is like really terrifying for me. And I feel like such like a rookie on the couch. Everybody's like calm and cool. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I'm shaking. This is, this is scary. So good job, everybody. You've, you've killed it. And the bar is says super high. <laughs> so I view my life in two parts, um, before Ella and after. Um, Life before losing a child was very innocent. Um, In 2012, my husband and I had just moved back up north um, from Ann Arbor, and we wanted to live near our family as we started our own. That was a long-time dream for us. And um, it was at a five-month prenatal checkup that our doctor tried and tried and tried to locate a heartbeat, and she couldn't. And our daughter, Ella Ray, was already gone. Um... I can't really explain to you what that was like because experiencing the trauma of losing a child at age 25 is indescribable unless you have been there yourself, um, unless you've had to hold your lifeless child in your arms, um, unless you have woken up the next day to a colorless sunrise or an empty womb and felt the soul-splintering ache of knowing life will never be as it was before, unless you've had to make decisions on burials or cremations for your baby, um, or if you want pictures of them, because that's all you're going to be leaving the hospital with. I don't want to be in this club, but like all of us, I didn't get to choose my tragedy or my battle or my brand of heartbreak. I don't get to choose how my world gets broken, and I know you don't either. I'll never forget the first time I sat down with my guitar after my daughter died, and I just started pouring my heart out on the page. I was surprised that anger was the first emotion that came out and like rage at the injustice of my of my loss I had so many questions that were just unanswerable and I wrote the words kerosene God knows there are no words God knows they run dry feel the heat rising in my very bones this anger is a blanket and you're never coming home oh like kerosene I burn like something you've never seen I am still burning like kerosene Ella's absence ignited a new kind of fire in my heart. The artist and person that I was before um, is changed, completely unrecognizable to me now. I'm so thankful that I have found my own passion for singing at a very young age. Around age 11, I received my very own boombox. Anybody have boombox here? Yeah. Um, I quickly started amassing large amounts of Christian music and gospel music, and I would turn up the volume knob on my little boombox and just blast Whitney Houston, The Preacher's Wife. I don't know why I love that album, um, but I did. And um, I would sing, and it wasn't, it wasn't that great. 
it was about around this pivotal age that I went to my first legitimate arena concert, and I went to go see DC Talk, a very popular Christian band in the 90s. Um, and they were great, but um, there was a life-changing moment that happened as I watched the opener. It was just a girl and her guitar on the stage with a spotlight, and she was just singing these beautiful songs. It was Jennifer Knapp. And um, I was just, I just remember thinking, like, wow, like, how do you do that? Like, that would be the coolest thing to do with my life, to be able to sing my stories and, and, and share that with people. I'd, it just made a really big impression. Um, a few months after my daughter died, I dove back into writing and creating. I released an album called Climbing Clouds. It was a dedication to her. I put myself out there in painfully autobiographical lyrics and accompanying music videos. Thank you, John Paul. Thank you. This was deep stuff, and I was afraid that most people would be turned off by it. I could never have anticipated something good coming from my loss, but something really special happened with this release. I soon found out that I was part of a club with many secret members, like people in a town that we can never move out of. My inbox flooded with person after person, sharing the names of their children that they've never been able to speak about. My hurt through my music had become a bridge for parents who had never been able to articulate the pain themselves. Something truly humbling and miraculous takes place when they say, I hear my own voice in your songs. Songs that truly deserve to be sung and heard. Ella's is the first, but there are many more to follow. I wrote a song about a little boy named Carter who was a triplet. I get the details from his mom, but anybody can write about details. I feel what they've gone through. After nervously sending the completed song, I receive an email from his dad. The song took me back to Carter's last day with us, the day that I stood outside the hospital crying and begging God for relief. In that moment, God spoke to me and he said he was bringing Carter home. I have in a long time been needed to be comforted by God. I felt him moving me tonight and I needed it. There are numerous times in the song that made me think one of the nurses that was with us every day had to have gone in touch with you and told you these details because there is no way that you could have captured my family's feelings and emotions without having been there. At this point, I'm no longer just a folk songwriter. Um, grief is teaching me and refining me as a person and as a storyteller. My professional life is getting a deep clean. Um, and I'm slowly learning that my pain and experiences can be a bridge to others, that I don't have to stay in this town alone. It is only very recently that I'm seeing where my true fulfillment lies, um, rather where it has always been, to fix the world. Which leads me to Pikyov. I'm going to do a little like call and response. Can you guys say Pikyov? Pikyov. Okay, we all just learned a new word. Um, this is a word in my Karuk language, and it means to fix the world. It's actually the motto of my tribe, and we are fix the world people. I inherited or pilfered my own name, Juddy Ray, from my grandma, who was 100% Karuk Indian from Happy Camp, California, believe it or not. Juddy was a hitchhiking woman. Um, she was plagued with mental illness, um, possibly schizophrenia, and I never knew her as like a normal grandmother. Um, she lived in travel trailers. She boondocked at the base of Mount Shasta or some other wilderness. She picked blackberries, and she collected her social security check every month on the dot. Um, but her life was lonely. It was spent in solitude and I think a lot of suffering. The Pikyav, the fixing the world, started with me taking her name. Juddie told stories that weren't true. 
I tell stories that are. Jetty wandered on the road alone. I wander on the road with my kids and my husband and my dog. Jetty lived in travel trailers. I live in a 1979 Airstream travel trailer. (laughs) Jetty was unable to keep and raise her children. I am a stay-at-home mom, and I'm thankful that I have the mental capacity to raise them. During one of the last conversations with my dad, Jetty's son, he told me about Pikyav and how important it was for him, for me to understand that's what I'm doing through my music. Fix the world. He said, in order to know you need to fix the world, you have to see the brokenness. I had the honor of seeing my dad, who was riddled with cancer, fix so many things before he died. He was weak and suffering, yet in his own pain, he was more concerned about the spiritual health of everyone around him. I witnessed firsthand how his own brokenness gave him an incredible gift of compassion and awareness for others. What my dad was trying to tell me as I knelt beside him and held his hand, that the world is broken. First, we have to see it, and then we have to feel it, and it is only then that we can start to fix it. I started writing songs as an attempt to fix myself. Um, my mom bought me my first guitar when I was 16, and I started and stopped playing more times than I can even remember. Um, I had a hard time learning a new instrument. My voice required a lot of work as well. Let me tell you, this did not come naturally. Um, I got classical voice lessons. I did choir. Um, the person you hear today has worked incredibly hard to share these things with you. Hours of practice for passions that didn't really come innately or naturally. Um, My career, so to speak, was a combination of emotional necessity, a passion for something that I wasn't talented at, and a passion for expressing. After borrowing $600 from my grandma for my first album, Blackberries, I wrote a second album, and this was all before Ella, Blink of an Eye. I wrote a song after I was deeply troubled at witnessing a head-on collision, um, actually right outside Traverse City, and I saw an eight-year-old girl and her 53-year-old grandmother die right in front of me. And I didn't know these people, but their loss and their lives meant something to me. The thread of compassion and storytelling is being woven, and the purpose of my call is slowly being refined at this point. Even though I've gained incredible perspective, I know that I'm supposed to be doing, I still forget why I do what I do. I still forget that it's important. I never went into the music business for fame or fortune or recognition. Those things never appealed to me at first. But after doing this for 10 years, some of the mentality can rub off. The way the industry does things is all about self, self self-promotion, self-awareness, self-expression, who you know, what awards you get. Um, I can't tell you guys how many times after literally mopping up tears off the stage, someone will come and say, you should try out for The Voice. So don't say that to me tonight, please. (laughs) As a musician or even just as a person, the overwhelming message that I get and receive from the world is that it's all about the number. So how do I reconcile the fact that I've made a career and found incredible um, fulfillment through the one and not the many? I've made lifelong friends out of fans that have shared their deepest selves with me, all all as a result from me going first, so to speak. The industry I'm in doesn't have an increment or a system to measure that kind of fulfillment, which leads me to the realization that fulfillment is always there when I choose to see the number or the lack thereof (laughs) as my pikyav. Forgetfulness is my kryptonite. I have to constantly realign my thinking of why I do what I do, what motivates me to sing and share the deep things in my heart. I have to remind myself that I'm here to serve others. I remind myself when it seems I'm overlooked or forgotten or insignificant. 
It has to be about others for me. It can never be about the masses. It has to just be about the one. This past year has been one of the hardest of my life. I stood by my parents as my dad received stage four cancer diagnosis last August. My world tilted again, and suffering has once again brought clarity to the meaning and fulfillment in my life. Um, but this time I have a creed and a truth to cling to. I read a verse in the Bible that I've read so many times, but I've never really read it or heard it before. And it's, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. This is a lightning bolt moment. I've heard this verse, but I've never really heard it. And I'm seeing the need for a servant musician everywhere. I especially see it in embracing in the dying. I've played bedside many times, and after doing more so recently, I wonder why I ever stopped. My voice was made to tell your story back to you in a way that finally makes some sense to you. My true fulfillment is when I get to play a part in releasing the burdens of pains that you've been never, never been able to speak, to release an emotional dam that keeps you sick and unable to move from that place. If I'm honest with you, the times I've felt most fulfilled are, when I play, are not when I play for thousands of people at a festival or when I get a positive review. They're the small and quiet moments when my mom tells me, I really needed to hear that song that you wrote today. It got me through. The most satisfying moments are when I hear my kids singing the songs that I wrote about them to me. Or when I get to sing to my dad, I'm going to run and not grow weak. I'm going to fly on eagle's wings. I'm going to rise. I'm going to... I'm going to sing. I know the battle's won, but I still got to fight it. Fulfillment is more than skin-deep surface accolades like YouTube viewership and product sponsorship. Those things change. One minute, I'm the next awesome up-and-coming songwriter. The next, I'm just an overrated has-been. Those things are really shifting shadows. They're just empty in the end. I'm glad I didn't wait until I was fixed myself to share my experiences because I will never be fully healed or fixed this side of heaven. And I've met enough of you to know that there are many clubs, many emotional towns that we are all unwilling, unwilling citizens of. The idea of Pikyov is not something that is unique to me, um, me as a person, my trade, my craft, or my career. I believe we are all endowed with one or many talents um, that we're putting our hands to love and serve others. And in turn, when we do that, we feel most alive ourselves. The challenge... The challenges I have faced are challenges we all must face to varying degrees. Life not going in our favor, um, brokenness, grief, loss, cancer, divorce, homelessness, depression, death. It's almost ironic to me that most of my fulfillment in life has come from sharing my heartbreak and my disappointments. Life is a process and uncovering the buried dreams, passions, and longings takes time. In my case, it's taken tragedy and loss for me to see clearly what will fulfill me going forward. My challenge is don't think because you are broken, you are worthless in fixing the world. Don't wait to be fixed to serve in your broken state. No one else can reach the people you can. You matter. Your struggles are not insignificant. Your hurt is real. Your pain is valid. And it's not something to be thought of as a handicap. It just might be that your brokenness is what the world really needs. 